What's up, everybody? Welcome to the podcast this week. I'm Matt Guest with me out in Vegas with his puppy in his lap. His Matt Morris. Um, hey, man, what a great wild card weekend. Honestly, I think this is one of the better wild card weekends in recent memory. Definitely the best one since they've expanded to seven teams. I think that's only been like one or two years, but still, um, thought it was really good. We had one game that ended up being a bad blowout, and everything else was competitive one of the biggest comebacks in NFL history. Um, all in all, I thought a successful weekend for the NFL, for betting, for the fans of the games, for the casuals. Um, what did you think just high-level takeaway from Wild Card Weekend? Well, I mean, you kicked it off right off the bat with the Jaguars game. Um, I think that was a great way to kind of lead us into this new playoff format where you really give that final team a real shot. And I get that they won their division, but let's be honest, like that was kind of the dud game. You know, we had the opportunity for a young team to win a bad division. And I think this just goes into the fold where every single one of these teams really deserve to be in. Even the Ravens with their performance against the Bengals, where you say, okay, on this podcast last week, I said outright they lose by you know three touchdowns, 17 points. Uh, Jaguars had a great comeback, fought hard, won their game. Ravens had a really good game, literally handed the game away at the goal line. Every single game from the AFC was a really good performance. I think the only game slash team that I think really showed their, themselves not to belong was Buccaneers. And we had kind of concerns of that all season. Tom Brady's performance was okay. The rest of the team was outright pathetic. Um, so I think moving forward, we're going to probably have years where we say, hey, every team deserved to be in. And we're going to have years where we say, hey, one or two teams Yikes, they really weren't a playoff team. Thankfully, this year, when I look at the gauntlet that we had this past weekend, it was really just the Buccaneers that did not deserve to be there. Yeah, and the Bucks and the Jaguars, both, you know, bad divisions on each side of the coin. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, I, I think, I mean, I'm higher on the Jags than you are, but we knew this is who the Bucks were all season, right? And you and I, more me than you, fell into the trap of like, hey, I'm going to take the Bucks no matter what, just because I know who the Cowboys can be on their worst day and who the Bucks can be on their best day, which is an okay team. And what ended up happening is the Cowboys showed up and beat the crap out of them, right? Um, shocking to see Tom Brady play that poorly in the first half. But you were right all along from the offseason about Tampa Bay. You said it and you repeated it. And we'll reach, we'll probably re, uh, revisit this the entire podcast is that if you do not have guys up front to protect your quarterback, I don't care if you're Tom Brady, I don't care if you're Aaron Rodgers, I don't care who you are you're going to have a hard time winning football games and moving the ball down the field. And that's exactly what happened to them all season and definitely what exposed them Monday night against the Cowboys. And that was just the story of Tampa's year. No protection, no chemistry, nobody on the same page whatsoever throughout the entire season. And what ends up happening is you lose by three touchdowns plus um, in a game that matters the most. Well, and I, I've seen a few reports since the end of the game about you know Brady's next stop and and where he's going to play. And I saw a writer kind of write up a little, a little article on him saying that, well, it doesn't matter. Tom Brady shouldn't have a next stop. Like all he is now is a quarterback that throws slants and screen routes. And it's like, okay, that's really understandable from what you saw from the performance this season. But you also didn't put in the equation at all that he had absolutely no time in any of his games, and he's going to be 46 years old. He's not a mobile quarterback. He should not be moving outside the pocket at all. And it's a big contrast in the three-year window that we've seen the Bucks from year one to year three with Tom Brady. That offensive line was not there for him this season. He had absolutely no choice but to get the ball out of his hands as quickly as possible. And if you look at some of the deep shots Brady took this year, they were forced deep shots because he had to throw the ball probably a second to two seconds before he normally would like to throw that ball. It was a rushed push downfield, and there wasn't enough separation, usually from Mike Evans. So I, I thought it was a really short-term concept of, you know, Tom Brady may still have some years left in him, and he may still have a down-the-field pass. You know, we might not be talking about Drew Brees' arm here, but from this offensive line, it, it was just it was a shell of what it was year one. And again, we've talked about this all year. What are you going to do when you go up against Micah Parsons in this defensive line? 
like good luck without without these guys. And Jensen was back, right? Six months removed from ACL surgery, having the ability to play in this game, I thought was really, really impressive. Um, I didn't actually see anything up until the end of the fourth quarter, so I don't know the impact he had. You might be able to tell me more about that. Um, but I did see that he he was playing after six months. That's shocking. Yeah, I think he had more of a morale presence than anything. It, it was it was complete domination by the Cowboys. At least their front. Was he seven, on the, entire... the field? Did he, yeah, did he was they playing. Start he was playing. That's yeah, he was playing. Crazy. Crazy. I mean, yeah, think it was about crazy. Bakhtiari and like Jenkins, like to play after six months. That's that surgeon just got a pay bump. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, it was crazy. And then they also had no running game. Leonard Fournette was an absolute dud this year. And then think about it, Matt. Two years ago, he had Antonio Brown and Rob Gronkowski on his team, bro. Like at the end of the day, yeah, that's a that's losing a lot of weapons. And Godwin coming off an ACL, like things just weren't in their favor. You nailed your prediction with them at the beginning of the year, so kudos to you. Um, obviously, they were still the best team in that division. But let's uh, we'll move into our first segment of the episode. I guess it's kind of a good leeway. So for this segment here, Matt, we're just going to keep it simple. We had six teams leave the season this year. Six teams get eliminated. We want to rank them one through six on who we think is in the best position to succeed starting this next season. So I'll let you go first. What's your list? Number one through six. Yeah. So Seattle's number one. Uh, I think we both share this agreement here for one and two. Seattle's young emerging defense has a great foundation moving forward. Geno Smith is the quarterback of the future, at least for the short term right now. You know, they have the young running back. That's solidified. They have the number one receiver in uh, DK Metcalf. That's solidified. And they have all the draft pick compensation from Russell Wilson's absolutely botched trade. I think they're <laughs> set up for five years of success here, whether they choose to draft a project quarterback and keep Geno, whether they keep Geno and they solidify more of the offensive line. They have the draft picks to really build a great foundational roster moving forward to be the second best team in this NFC West, which shocking if you were to say that coming into the season at the end of the year. Dolphins number two, only thing keeping them from number one is obviously to his health. It's going to be question mark the rest of his career. They have the defense in Bradley Chubb. They have, you know, the cornerbacks. They have the question marks at offensive line, but it is better than it was last year. They have the elite level wide receivers. They need to draft a running back. They will do that. But at the end of the day, to his health, that concussion concern keeps them at number two. Um, number three is the Chargers. And after Really thinking about this, I don't love it because there's a lot of question marks. You know, we had talked about their ownership and the ability of uh, pay that they can offer head coaches as well as free agent contracts. We saw the big free agent contracts handed out this past offseason. It did not lead to a playoff victory. Uh, Austin Eckler is expected to leave. Big question mark in the backfield. Big question mark at the wide receiver position with Mike Williams and his injury concerns. Um, I have a lot of question marks around this team and their aging. Joey Bosa's injury concerns as well as aging. Khalil Mack aging. You have the um, J.C. Jackson knee injury, which may never be the same. Derwin James, right, might be the only young foundational piece that we can really say on this team is going to be there for a while and pay big impact outside of injuries. So they come in at number three. Vikings at number four, I even like less. Justin Jefferson is really the only piece on this roster that I love. Everyone else is a question mark. This defense, you know, at times they were dominant. At times they looked like one of the worst in the league. And I think that's what you get for relying on kind of street level players like, you know, like our boy from Green Bay. Like, what do you expect <laughs> is going to happen when you just kind of piece together a roster? Um, and Kirk Cousins is probably gone after this season. So they have a quarterback concern as well. I would be looking for them to possibly shock people and take a, uh, a quarterback at the end of the first round. Number five coming in is the Bucks, solely not in last place because I think their foundational defense is there. I think Devin White can be the playmaker, the elite level talent that we have seen in years past. Um, I do think that they will build this defense to be the competitive nature of this team after Brady leaves. And number six is the Ravens, and this is solely on the idea that Lamar Jackson leaves. Um, I think what we saw this past weekend was a perfect decision for him to look at yourself and look at yourself in the mirror from a perspective of, do I want to play the next 10 years or do I want to play possibly three more years in this league? RG3 came out with his comments regarding the knee brace. I think he made the right decision to sit. It was an extremely hard-fought game by Hundley and the Ravens team, but I think after Lamar Jackson possibly gets traded, you see a full rebuild, and I think that ultimately leads to Harbaugh leaving because of dis disdain with the organization. So Ravens at number six. Yeah, so um, I do agree with you, sort of. 
So my list starts off number one with Seattle as well. I think the team that was the biggest surprise in the playoffs this year was the Seattle Seahawks. Um, I think the biggest surprise was the fact that they have a quarterback, right? And I don't think any of us thought that Geno Smith was going to be this guy, going to be a pro bowler, going to be a a man to lead the Seahawks to a, a playoff berth, you know? And I think you hit the nail on the head. They're the only team right now that looks like they're going to compete in the NFC West. The Rams maybe have one more dance in them if Stafford, Cup, everybody can be healthy next year. But they pretty much look like they have one more year to be competitive, whereas Seattle is more set up for long-term success um, to come out of the NFC West with uh, San Francisco as well. Now, number two, I also have the Dolphins. My concern is to a Tonga Valoa, but I also think they have a lot more upside in that roster than they have downside. You mentioned it. They have the skill position, that wide receiver, right? They have that locked up. The Bradley Chubb trade with a full offseason, Christian Wilkes up front, they're stacked. They're going to be fine. Xavier Howard with a full offseason not being injured. Holland as well. Like I think they can really have a chance to compete with the Bills and win that division next year. The question mark is Tua. Now, do they draft a quarterback? Do they sign Jimmy G? Do they sign Derek Carr? Do they have someone that comes and backs up? So that if we get into this situation again, I think Miami messes up if they go with Tua, but still have Teddy Bridgewater or Skylar Thompson. No disrespect to Skylar Thompson, but what is Teddy or sorry, what has Tua shown you to make you think, hey, we win the division, we get there, but he could easily get hurt in the blink of an eye, right? He could play 17 perfect games and then bang, something happens, right? That's just kind of who he is as a player. No knock on him. I like the Dolphins number two. I also have the Chargers at three and more. It's more or less just because they have Justin Herbert. Honestly, like that's why I think their defense is okay, has a lot of holes in it, but Herbert. Uh, Mike Williams and Keenan Allen all locked up, I think is incredible. I think they'll find a way to get it done with Austin Eckler this offseason, but TBD on that. I like just Justin Herbert for number three. Four, I still have the Ravens, and this is with or without Lamar Jackson, in my opinion. Reason being is you saw what they did without him against this Bengals team. They dominated time of possession. They have a really, really good coaching staff. And at the end of the day, they have one of the best defenses in football. And if you have a good defense, you can go out and get a guy like Derek Carr. Go out, get a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo. Shit, maybe even have one of these rookies. Who knows, right? Come out and play game manage and not lose them games. Um, I still think the Ravens are in a really nice spot for the future. I like them more than my fifth team, the Minnesota Vikings. I think the Vikings had... In all honesty, a lucky season, right? They were 11 and 0 in one possession games going into the playoffs, lost a one possession game in the playoffs. I thought Kirk Cousins and the offense was fantastic, but something that we both agreed coming into the season was that their weakness was going to be losing Mike Zimmer and having that defensive mentality. What happened? They had a negative point differential on the season. They also had one of the worst defenses in all of football, and it came back and bit them in the ass in the playoffs. They could not stop Danny Jones. They could not stop Saquon Barkley, and they couldn't get any pressure on the quarterback, even with their big acquisition of Zadarius Smith, as well as, you know, they've had Hunter out there for a while as well. Um, I think the Vikings are in a world of trouble. I think they're going to have a bad year next year. Those 11 wins aren't going to translate the same that they did this year. And at the end of the day, I think they are now sitting in the middle with the Packers while the Lions are looking like they have an established culture, a team that can really compete for the division next year. Whereas the Bears, if they push all the right buttons, pull all the right levers in this offseason, could surpass the Packers and the Vikings. The Vikings and the Packers are in a really weird spot. And then lastly, number six, I have the Bucks. I think it's over for them. I think Brady's gone. I think White's going to go. I think they're going to sell the house and go full-blown rebuild. They went all in with Tom Brady. It worked. They won their Super Bowl. They got his buddies. They got everything that they wanted. Um, They're going to do their normal Tampa Bay fluctuation, right? They're going to have six, seven years of bad ball. Somehow make the playoffs one year, maybe win the Super Bowl. I think it's over for the Bucs. The dream was great. The Brady experiment was fantastic. But um, I think they're in the worst position. Yeah, I the only thing that catches me with the Bucks is that division. Um, you look, you said it perfectly with the Vikings. You know, you have emerging teams. You still have Aaron Rodgers in that division. You talk about the Ravens. You still have Joe Burrow. You have, you know, you have Mike Tomlin, who somehow doesn't have losing seasons. I really don't. Understand and you have Deshaun Watson now too. Like that, he, he, yeah. he that could be something next year. Yeah, absolutely. Deshaun Watson still has that top five quarterback in him, right? Um, as controversial as he is. 
you look at the Bucks and you look at that division, the Panthers are panthering, right? Atlanta still doesn't know their quarterback situation. The Saints, cap hell, head coach being traded. Um, I think there's a chance that they could bring in, like you said, Carr, Jimmy G, a Jameis Winston, and still find a way to win that division because they do still have Vita Vea and Devin White, right? You know, and Smith and, and Winfield. Like, there's still talented players there. And, you know, I probably undersold the Ravens' defense a little bit. It's because I don't watch them enough. I love Roquan Smith, but outside of Roquan Smith, like, you know, and the kid from Penn State, I don't really know anybody on the defense that's outside of aging cornerbacks. But I will tell you the Vikings are fucked. Yeah. Um, I might even want to slide them down to six at this point because outside of Kirk Cousins holding this team together for the past six, seven years, this team is bad and they've been bad. Like there really isn't anyone to be excited about, right? We just named a couple guys for the Ravens. We talked about the guys for the Bucks. Like it is Justin Jefferson. How did you do such a bad job drafting that you have one marketable player outside of Kirk Cousins? And completely took Dalvin Cook out of the equation for being a dominant running back this season. And I get that they used him a different way. I understand that. But he was not the player he has been in years past. And you talk about from just a marketing perspective that leans really big into the perception that this league has on you and that fans have of you. And what happens when Kirk Cousins leaves and you continue to sit in this 24 to 30 draft slot where you're never really getting a top tier talent. We know that from Green Bay, but we had Aaron Rodgers. I think this season is one of the most um, detrimental to these six teams that were uh, eliminated outside of Seattle because, and and Miami because you have absolute needs at certain areas of your team or a lot of needs. And I said this about Green Bay in the Lions game when Green Bay lost to the Lions. I said they will draft a player at 15 that haunts the, the Lions for the next decade. And I can't even imagine what the Lions are going to do because they're going to draft a player that's going to haunt the Vikings also for the next decade. It's really unfortunate that some of the t- these teams got in. We knew they didn't have a shot, and here they are not looking at a, a really a bright future. Yeah, I agree. And I think you're completely right. Like you, you said it well. Cousins has kept the team together. Like for as much shit as everyone gives him, you and I give him shit all the time. Absolutely. I thought he had a better year than Rodgers this year. I thought he had a better year than a lot of quarterbacks yeah. this year, you know? And he wasn't the reason they lost on Sunday. Not at all. He played a fantastic game. He's taking hits, delivering throws, doing what he needed to do. The fourth and eight was bad, sure, but there was a guy in his face, and you know, it is what it is. The play call wasn't that great either. Um, the defense is bad. They're bottom five in the league. Bad. And yeah. Cousins is only getting older. They have a Jefferson issue now because he's running out of time on that rookie contract, and he is going to be the highest paid receiver in all of football. That's not a question. He has to be after the two seasons he's put together. And then what? You know, Harrison Smith's done. They have Patrick Peterson starting at corner. He's pretty much done. And a bunch of guys, like you said, makeshift defensive line. You know, that's that's what I'm nervous about as well with the Chargers. You know, like they spent all this money in the offseason. All their guys got hurt. Fucking Joey Bosa's always hurt. I know he's complaining about the refs and this and that. But, hey, man, go out there and play a healthy season once in a while before you start slamming your helmet in the first playoff game you ever played. I get you got a couple bad calls your way and not going your way, but they have a lot of holes too, man. And if you can't stop anybody on defense, that is a freaking problem. You know, like it it just is. You can't be giving up 30 points a game in the playoffs, dude. And Matt, let's just look at this real quick. We got six teams. We got six divisions here. And, uh, if I'm looking at it from a ranking these teams in easy in division concepts here, it's probably Seattle one. Um, probably it's crazy to say this. It's crazy to say this. Bucks two. Probably. Dolphins yeah. three. Um I'm gonna say Ravens four. Maybe no, I'd say, say, say the Vikings. Vikings four. Yeah, I'm gonna say the Vikings. Yeah, because Cincinnati is more dominant than anyone in the NFC North. That's, there's no question about that. Um, I'm gonna say Ravens five, and I'm gonna say Chargers six. And I'm gonna right. say this right now: Raiders have more wins next year than the Chargers. Well, um, and the thing is, too, let me interrupt you God, with that because 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 I almost wanted to argue the Ravens are tougher, but that's we need to see Watson. We need to see him with the full off season with that off the you know full off season program with Stefanski. Can they bring that offense? Because he looked all right in the last couple of games. He looked like he was figuring it out. 
him and Amari Cooper and Joku, like they have a nice team. Um, but until then, I'd agree with you. And I think the yeah. biggest thing, not even just the Raiders, dude, is the Broncos are one correct coach away from being really good again. Because you correct. saw you yeah. saw the flashes from Russ. Like yeah. the la- and I know they He's weren't playing not that bad. <laughs> yeah, I know they weren't playing anybody, and I know the games were meaningless, but he wasn't the 25th best quarterback in the league. Like Russ is still, he's still top 10. He has to be, he's not that bad, dude. Like he just can't be. And he showed flashes of that with that relationship with Judy Sutton played pretty well. Like, I don't think the Broncos have a season like they did last year. If they get the, if they get Peyton in there, watch out Sean Peyton. Yeah. Well, and this is another thing. Uh, I want to really, really quick log on here and make sure I'm not naming him incorrectly. Um, but to talk about teams this this playoffs this playoff run, um, okay Johnson for Ben Johnson for the Lions um, is staying with yeah, the Lions. Staying. So the reason the reason I'm bringing him up is because of what you just talked about with Russ. I think that we we misinterpret a lot of the production of these players based on who is their ultimate play caller. And we talked about Hackett all season and kind of the concerns we had and, you know, trace it back to Green Bay and look at Green Bay's offense over the last four, three, four years, right? I know he wasn't the play caller, but he was the OC. He was the guy to build the game plan to allow and help the floor call plays. This league is built on what kind of schemes you can drop and how you can adjust. And the Chargers were absolutely pathetic at it. Yep. Lombardi lost his job because of it. Hackett was terrible, terrible in Denver. Um, and we could go through some of these other teams as well. I you mean, know, the look Dolphins at the, were only in that game because of, you know, uh, of our boy Mikey. Um, well, and look at the teams I, that win. Yeah. Like, to your point, look yeah. at the teams that win. Look at Shanahan. He is literally dominating with the last pick in the draft. And we'll get to them in a little bit. But the schemes, the plays, the <laughs> the setup, the everything is Immaculate. Honestly, like he is coaching at the highest level right now. Look at Brian Effing Dayball, dude. Look at that roster. And where the people on TV right now are talking about Danny Jones being elite, being the guy. Like, w- what crazy world are we living in right now? You know, I know we talked about the Vikings defense and we'll get to Danny, but look at the coaching changes to your point. That's all I'm trying to say. Look at the game plans. Yeah. Look at the look at the psychology. Look at the matchups and putting your players in a position to succeed. Look at what it does. And then you have a well, guy that's not in a position to succeed like Russell Wilson. and He even looks below average. It's crazy how much that matters. Well, I was just going to say, and we've talked about this before, but building a team around a foundational concept, right? Denver tried to do that. They hired Hackett with the concept that, hey, we were going to get Aaron Rodgers. Hackett has familiarity with Rodgers. We can immediately day one implement an offense that both of these two individuals are comfortable with out of the gate. We're going to have very little tuning, and we're going to be able to run a foundational offense quarterback and coach. Yeah. And it just didn't work. You know what yeah. I mean? Like yeah. Hackett wasn't the guy for us. And we even said that, oh my God, when Rogers decided to stay, the Broncos are screwed. I can't believe they hired Hackett. It's like, well, they took a swing and they missed. Right. And we're going to see kind of the reverse effects of that this coming season when we see the reemergence of Russell Wilson. You know, when we see Williams back from the ACL. And I just think it's really unfortunate because we're year to year on on this um, on this conflict in the media where we have a lot of criticism for these guys and these coaches, and it was justified for Hackett. But in regards to the AFC West, I really do think the Chargers are in the one of the most difficult situations here because you have Patrick Mahomes, right? You have Russell Wilson and a very, very, very good roster if Russell Wilson is only top 15. And then you also have the Raiders who are going to go out and get a quarterback, whether it's Tom Brady. Aaron Rodgers, you know, X, Y, Z, they're going to have somebody in that position that wins them more games than Derek did. Chargers are in deep shit. Chargers and Vikings, man. But the Chargers at least have Justin Herbert, who looked great. He's a great quarterback. He just, he needs help. He needs help, and he missed some throws, kind of cost them probably the game, missing a couple red zone throws, you know. But at the end of the day, this goes back to prime Rodgers. Like you can't be blowing 27 nothing 27 nothing leads, 27-7 leads at half. You can't blow a 16 to nothing lead in Seattle in the NFC Championship game. Like th- these are things that it just can't happen, you know? And 
you know, it just shapes shapes you as a football player, shapes you as a fan and as a team and a culture, right? And you hit that. We talked culture hardcore last week and I agree with you. I think the chargers do need a change in culture, but shit, maybe this is what those guys needed to go through. It happens a lot more in the NBA than it does in football where teams need to get hardened. They need to lose. They need to go through a lot of heartbreak in order to break through and actually win the title. Maybe this is what Herbert and Staley needed because Frankly, he was the D coordinator who forced five turnovers. Their offense just couldn't get it done, right? Like for as much yeah. shit as we want to give Staley, we do this. That's a fact. You know, that is the fact of the situation. Could he have led better, motivated? Sure, right? Like absolutely. But when it comes to X's and O's, his side of the ball really did do what they needed to do. And the offense didn't. So yeah. um it's it's crazy. Anything else about any of these other teams? I think we I think we pretty much hit every single team. Yeah, I mean, I think the the biggest question mark we have going into this offseason is going to be for the Ravens and the and the Bucks, though, right? Quarterback situation, right? And as Packer fans, we know that very well. It really sucks to have quarterback question marks when you've lost in the first round of the playoffs again because of draft draft pick positioning, and your future is kind of up in the air. You know, I, I think that's probably the worst thing as a fan when we talk about ranking these teams moving forward. Um, Lamar Jackson, obviously a little bit different than Tom Brady, but it will be a really interesting offseason to see how both of these franchises take that and handle that quarterback position. Um, you know, do the Ravens lock into Lamar like they should? Do they trade him away? Like what kind of assets does that bring in? So looking forward to seeing what comes in the next few months. Okay, so division round, here we are. We got our we got our big matchups, our final four games, eight teams. Um, before we get into it, we did want to give our flowers, give our award to our best and favorite quarterback. Um, Jesus, I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> we wanted to give a shout out to our best and favorite quarterback performance from the wild card weekend. So Matt, I'll let you go first. Which quarterback was your favorite performance from this past weekend before we get into the next games? Bro, it was easily second half Trevor Lawrence. Um, <laughs> I was at work, so I didn't watch the game. I I had a buddy who is a Jaguars fan come back after he threw his fourth pick, and he's like, you know, walking past the back bar, and he's like, yeah, man, four picks already. And I'm like, four picks? He's like, yeah, they're down 27 nothing. And I was like, okay, you'll be joking. Like, there's no way. I was like, it's, like, it's got to be an hour into the game. And so I jump on the phone real quick and I'm like, holy shit. But I was like, in the back of my heart, I was like, I don't think it's over. I was like, I, I know that's crazy to think about, but I was like, Peterson's a great coach. Like Lawrence, you know, like this is his adversity test. I was like, I know this is going to be almost impossible because the Chargers are a good team and Herbert's a good quarterback. Like, but exactly as the Chargers roll, they chargered and they allowed Trevor Lawrence to come out and just drive, drive after drive after drive. And he executed. And I think for a young quarterback to make the massive mistakes that he did and kind of have the unlucky, you know, tipped ball here, you know, missed route there to come back and win that game in the second half was a testament, not only of his ability on the field, but his leadership and his tenacity for overcoming adversity. I thought to myself, even if they didn't win that game after they, they got to that 28 point mark, he had done enough to prove to that team moving forward that not only is he, he's their, he's their guy, but he will be the guy that wins them a championship and then to win the game to march down, allow the field goal to happen. You know, a lot of that was because of ETN. I understand that, but that is still an incredible second half performance. First half performance was about as bad as the second half was good, but Trevor <laughs> Lawrence second half quarterback play willed the Jaguars to victory. And I think he deserves the number one quarterback slot, at least for his second half performance. I love it. Um, dude, between him and Burrow right now, they're my, they're my two favorite young, young guns in the league. Uh, I love Mahomes and Allen too. They're they're fucking awesome. But man, something about Lawrence. I I think it's even just from his Clemson days. He just gets me so far. He's just so good. Like he's he yeah. just jumps off the TV um, when he's playing at his highest level, and that's what he was doing in the second half. And you have you must have bad service at work because I I think I sent you about fifteen texts after you're like, oh, they're getting killed, and I'm like, they're coming back. Oh my god, he threw another one. They're coming back. They're gonna do it. Like it was just it was so awesome. 
Um, we, I've been saying them basically for a month now. They're my Jags. I've, I've adopted them as my team now that the Packers are out and now that my ladies team is out for sure. Um, I love the Jags and I love that performance, but that's not my pick. Um, there's a couple guys that were up there, Lawrence, Danny Jones, but for me, I got to give the flowers to Dak Prescott, man. Um, yeah. At the end of the day, the narrative now is, oh, you know, the Cowboys should have won that game. The Bucks weren't that good. Going into the game, in my opinion, that's not what people were talking about. First possession, Matt, of the game. Three passes, three incompletions for Dak Prescott. Get the ball back, another punt. And I'm like, here we go. This is the Cowboys again. This is exactly what I thought they were going to do. Dak isn't clutch. He only has one playoff win. He's going to buckle under pressure, and he's going to throw a few interceptions. I was wrong. He played probably the best football game I've ever seen him personally play in a big game. He went 25 for 33, 305, four touchdowns. And that's a obviously very efficient, but some of the balls that he were throwing out, he was throwing out there was pro bowl, all pro level stuff. And, you know, I don't think Dak is the best quarterback in the league. I think he's fringe top 10, right? But at the end of the day, You need to throw elite level balls and play at a high level for four games to win it all. And that's exactly what he looked like he could do this past weekend. He was playing really, really good football. I thought he had the best performance out of every quarterback in wildcard weekend. So shout out to Dak Prescott. Shout out to the Cowboys. We're going to get to all the previews here in a second. It's going to be a huge, huge test to replicate that performance in Santa Clara this weekend. But I got to give it to Prescott. Yeah, I love that. And the only thing that kept me from giving it to, to Prescott was the adversity that he did not face. Uh, I think when you look at pure performance, and he absolutely had the best weekend. Um, but that Bucks team just never really gave him a fight. And again, man, like this is more for me a highlight on the Trevor Lawrence experience that we had this past weekend. Some of the question marks we had with leadership. I just love to see that we have actionary um, pieces in front of us from Lawrence to be a leader. You know, you don't have to have the voice always. You don't always have to be the guy that is the most dominant personality, the guy that's the leadership personality, the type A. Sometimes you can be a leader by pure performance, by willing your team back to victory. And I think that in, in question for me, at least with Lawrence, was answered this weekend. No longer do I really care about, hey, how does he present himself? You know, how softly is he speaking in the tunnel? Do I am I motivated and charged <laughs> yeah. up by Trevor Lawrence? Like I know my guy is going to be out there and has every shot to come back and win this game. And it reminded me every bit of that Houston uh, Chiefs game that we saw three, four, five, six years ago now, where Patrick Mahomes led them back. And in that game, there was never a question that, hey, he's got Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey. He could do this. Trevor Lawrence does not have those players, and he answered that bell. So two great quarterback performances. I thought Purdy played very well executing that offense. Um, you know, Danny Jones, obviously, yep. you know, Josh Allen's poor version or bizarro Superman version. I think there's a lot of great performances, and I'm excited to see what can be replicated in week two now of the playoffs. Yeah, I agree. And for me, Danny Jones was second. Um, then I had Lawrence after that, but what really sold me on Dak over Danny Jones is I knew who the, uh, the Minnesota Vikings defense was yeah. plain and simple. Like Danny Jones, he played better than I thought he was going to for sure. hundred percent, not taking that away from him, but similar to Dak, like you did what you were supposed to do and exceeded what you were supposed to do. Now it's time to step it up. Now it's time. Like it, it this is it. This is, this is the playoffs here. Like, I know we get, we're going to get to the Super Bowl and you know everything, but in my opinion, the divisional round is when the playoffs get going. Like this is these are the matchups I've been waiting for all season, especially in the AFC. You know, we've got the up and coming Jags playing the Chiefs, Bills effing Bengals. Like, let's go. This is the game. You know what I mean? This this is the matchups that we've been waiting for. And in the NFC, crazy enough, these are the four best teams. It's crazy. You know, the, and the NFC is wide open. We talked about it a month ago. The AFC was going to come down to the three teams and then the straggler, which is my Jags this year. Um, but yeah, it's just wild. And let's get into it. So we'll start with Saturday games. Your favorite, your Saturday football. Um, the first game, my Jags, Trevor Lawrence. I don't think he's lost on a Saturday ever. <laughs> he for sure hadn't lost on a Saturday night, and that's all they kept talking about when he's throwing four picks. And he, he guess what? He didn't lose. 
Um, let's let's talk about this really fast though. Patrick Mahomes for all the haters out there too. Patrick Mahomes, four years as a starter, four AFC Championship games. This is his fifth year as a starter. They are the number one seed with a shot at going to five straight AFC Championship games. He is looking to compete with Tom Brady for that record, which I think is either six or seven. Can't remember right off the top of my head. This is a massive, massive game for Jacksonville. This is a legacy-defining moment for Jacksonville, a legacy-defining moment for Pat Mahomes. He has a Hall of Fame career already, but if he can start going five for five in the AFC Championship game, it's unbelievable. Um, before you make your picks, tell me a little bit about the matchup. What are you thinking? What are you excited for? And uh, ultimately, who do you think is going to win? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm i coming into this matchup thinking to myself that we have a lot of momentum for the Jaguars, but at the end of the day, this is not something that's going to phase the Chiefs. They have Andy Reid. They have Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey. This is a team that has been built on success for, as you said, the past four years, now five. And I think with that momentum, the only thing that could stop it is ultimately this Chiefs-led foundation. Patrick Mahomes isn't going to be scared of Trevor Lawrence. He's going to go out and he's going to execute. The big question mark that I have on that Chiefs team in general is the defense. Can they come up and make plays in this game to take away from the loss of Tyreek Hill's explosiveness? I don't expect the Chiefs to come out here and score 38 points. I could expect them to score 28. But the big question, now we've seen it, Trevor Lawrence can go out and put up 30. So can you allow Patrick Mahomes to operate this offense, go and score, and just limit Trevor Lawrence to being kind of an average to above average game because we saw him at an elite level in that second half and that was enough. So big thing too is, you know, can the running game for the chiefs have any impact in this game? Um, I, I really think this is the chiefs game to lose. Oh yeah. And I think Trevor Lawrence is going to have to elevate himself to a full game of what we saw last week. Obviously not four straight touchdown drives or whatever that number was, but uh, he's going to have to put together an all-around game, and I think this is going to be an easier defense to do it against. And that's ultimately the X factor in this game for me. What Chiefs defense do we get in this week, next week, and in the Super Bowl, if that's where they make it? Do we see a, an all-around team, or do we just see Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes filling in the holes? Because if that's the case, we're going to have big-time question marks if they can win this week going into the AFC Championship week. Yeah, um, I think the big question Right now for Kansas City, there's two, two big, big questions. And one is, can they get pressure on Trevor Lawrence, right? Can Chris Jones and the boys up front get to him, get him rattled, slow ETN down? As we talked yep. about last week, ETN's the X factor for them. He had over 100 yards from the line of scrimmage against um, San Diego or whatever, the Chargers. And the other question is, will they be able to get their other players involved outside of Travis Kelsey? Is Jarek McKinnon going to stay hot? right? Is MVS going to make the big down the field play? Because in my opinion, I think the Jags match up extremely well defensively against the Kansas City Chiefs. I think their outside linebackers and their pass rush is fantastic. I think their safety can handle Travis Kelsey. I don't think they're going to stop him, but they can slow him down. And if they can take away Kelsey and force Mahomes to distribute the ball like he has all year i think it'll give him issues and at the end of the day it's gonna come down to turnovers which quarterback is gonna turn the ball over more because mahomes lost that game at home against cincinnati to joe burrow and the boys last year because he kept turning the ball over in the second half and ultimately in overtime which quarterback has more turnovers the guy that has more this weekend will lose but i think it's my time the Jags, I think they're going to upset Kansas City this weekend. I really, really do. Yeah, I can't. I can't take anybody over Mahomes at this point. Um, all right, I really, I hope the I get Jags it. Win. I, I, I do. I just four in a row. It's and it's for me. It's more Andy Reid. Um, but I, I think like the Jags have a better defense. I think they have a better running game marginally because it's a singular player. It's not a you know, it's not a hodgepodge of talent, which is talented for Kansas city <laughs> and, and that defense, again, we said it this past week and I was wrong. Um, I think we may see it this week. This might be their national stage of, of coming out and it really wasn't their fault last week. I mean, the turnovers, the, you know, the, um, the field possession that, that Trevor Lawrence was giving the chargers really put that defense kind of on the back burner, 
But in that second half, they absolutely dominated and they locked him down. But I don't think it's being talked about enough because it was more the Trevor Lawrence comeback. Right. This could be the week where we see a repeat of what you just said, the Bengals last year. Very excited for this game. This is going to show us kind of, again, in the next five years of football, right? Like, does Trevor Lawrence dethrone Patrick Mahomes? Do we start hearing people say, who would you rather have, Trevor Lawrence or Patrick Mahomes? Um, which will be a funny conversation. Right. It's going to be a great game. Yeah, for sure. 100%. Uh, I kind of wish it was the night game, but the night game is, is going to be a banger, man. Eagles-Giants, division rival. Eagles have beat them twice already this year, even though the last game the Giants had set out all their starters, which I thought was such a smart move. Oh, Brandon Staley, don't play Mike Williams week 18. Maybe he won't break his back. Anyways, um, this is a big game here, and I've seen a lot of people talking about, oh, the Niners are a shoo-in, right? The Niners are going to go to the Super Bowl. It's all Shanahan. Like, Let's not dismiss what the Eagles have done this year, Matt. I don't know if you noticed, but in the NFC, there's three teams from the NFC East, and the best NFC East team was the Eagles all year, stomping all of them. Now, Jalen Hurts got hurt, but he is practicing in full. He's 100% back. Lane Johnson, the right tackle, is going to be back. I think this is an Eagles coming out party, letting the world know, hey, we were the best team in the NFL all season for a reason. I am high on the Eagles. I personally think the Eagles are still the best team in the NFC because of Jalen Hurts and because their roster matches up well against a team like San Francisco. And at the end of the day, they dominated the Giants in New York when their team was healthy. Now they've had two, two and a half weeks of rest. I think this is the Eagles moment. I don't think they are going to be outshined. Um, Danny Jones, Saquon Barkley, Dayball have been fantastic all year, but I think this is where the show comes to an end. I think we see a MVP performance from Hertz, AJ Brown, Devonte Smith, and don't forget that elite defense that they have over there as well. Yeah, I, I can't disagree with anything you just said. And I will remind our listeners that the Giants have done a really good job of beating the teams that were just mediocre. Right. And I'm going to put Minnesota in that bag. Hey, put Green um, Bay there too. Put all the teams they beat. One hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. And 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 those people that that want to argue that remind yourself that Green Bay Packers absolutely destroyed the Vikings three weeks ago. Absolutely lit them on fire and threw them in the trash can. And the Vikings were able to hang around in that game. Um, this is not the Vikings. This is not the Packers. This is the number one team in the NFC. Like this is it's that flat out simple. And I think the Giants' story has been really nice, and I think Dayball's a great coach, but you have to go up against weapons in this playoff format. You have to go up against key defenses. Um, there's just This is David versus, versus Goliath, and David doesn't have a slingshot. So I'm taking the <laughs> Eagles. I'm taking them pretty easily here, and I will say the only way that the Giants win this game is if Thibodeau can go out there and get five, six sacks, dislocate that shoulder, <laughs> Rip Jalen Hurts in half, you know, start doing, you know, snow angels on his d- deconformed carcass um, <laughs> because because this this Eagles team is better in every single yeah. facet. Yeah, they really are. Um, and, and but yeah, you're right. Like the the strength of that Giants team is that front, just like those giant teams with Eli Manning. Right. Yep. And they had a average quarterback with, you know, honestly, average weapons. Right. Um, so yeah, I agree. If, if Thibodeau, uh, what's his name? Lawrence as well up front on their team, if they can get to the quarterback and give Hurts a tough time, they'll, they'll be in it. But I just, I think this is the Eagles time. I think this is Hurts' time. I've seen enough and all year, the Eagles have been funny all year. Cause you're like, oh yeah, they're undefeated and they're playing well, but you know, there's someone else in the NFC. And now that we've, now that we've gotten to the final four, they're the best team to me. Like I, the Niners are very, very good. They're super good. Their their roster is fantastic. They probably have better players than the Eagles, but I think the team overall for Philly is better. And I think selfishly, I just want that Niners Eagles matchup. I think as NFL fans and for who's the best team in the NFL this year, that needs to be the matchup, at least in the NFC, in my opinion. Okay. Moving on to Sunday. Um, wow, these games start early Sunday. That's so that they're just trying to give people the Sunday scaries early. Maybe we'll have to record Sunday after these games then. Yeah, we'll have time. Um, Bengals Bills. Man, how is this not the first game? I guess the Cowboys Niners is a pretty damn good game too. Uh, this is my favorite game of the weekend. Not even a question. Bills Bengals. Um, 
I'll let you go first. I have a lot of thoughts about this, but I'll let you go first. What are you thinking here? Yeah, I'm concerned about the Bengals. I don't know yeah. what happened. I know it was a divisional game. Nothing really seemed to get in rhythm at times for them. The Bills allowed the Dolphins to hang in there. Divisional I game. This, I think this game, divisional game, I think this game is unfair for both teams because this should be being played in Cincinnati and like, don't even get me started on yeah. that. Um, so it's tainted in a lot of ways for me. I think the Bills win this. I think they win it because they've been battle tested this season emotionally as well as competitively. Um, and I think they win it because we saw kind of the loss of momentum from the Bengals because of that Bengals Bills game that got canceled. And it's really unfortunate. Um, again, though, I'm going to circle right back around to pressure in defense and quarterback play. Joe Burrow's great, but you got to have a couple pieces on defense to bring the pressure and like, Let's be honest, if you had a hard time bringing it against Hunley at times, you're going to have a hard time doing it against Allen. So um, with the Bengals, specifically in that Ravens game, um, they lose their left tackle pretty much immediately. Now he's going to be out. He dislocated his knee. At least they have a full week to prepare. But I agree, I'm very concerned. They've now lost three starting linemen in three weeks consecutively, which was starting to be a big strength of their team. And obviously, as we know from last year, wasn't. Which also gives me confidence in the Bengals because they know how to play with the bad O-line. Now, to your point of like, all oh, what happened? They had three possessions in the first half, the Bengals. The Ravens just played a really good game against them, right? They coached them. They coached their team to play exactly how they knew they could beat the Bengals. And honestly, probably should have if they didn't have that stupid goal line play, right? It pretty much came down to that. Um, I don't read a ton into it. I think it's a good wake up call for the Bengals and similar. I don't read a ton into the bills dolphins as well, because playing a team three times in one season is not easy and they have every can signal. They've got every play. They've got every call that you're going to do because they've seen two games worth of film on you. So I'm, I won't say it's a wash for both of them, but I'm also not necessarily surprised that both of those games went the way they did. Right. Like it's these are professional football players at the end of the day, that many reps against someone, you're going to know what they're doing. With that being said, I think it's pretty simple what this game comes down to. And this is how I'm going to determine who's going to win is it's going to come down to mistakes. And if you had to tell me which quarterback's going to make more mistakes, Matt, Josh Allen or Joe Burrow, who are you taking to make more mistakes? Because of the offensive line, Joe Burrow. See, I disagree. I know you do, but you love Burrow. I do, and I love Allen too. But Allen has a good old line. Is Buffalo going to run the ball, Matt? Is Buffalo going to do what they need to do to be balanced? I don't think so. I think Allen's going to force the ball. He's fallen into these habits consecutively, week after week after week of trying to be the hero. And he'll make a hero play for sure. He's unbelievable. But he'll also fumble the ball. He'll also throw one into coverage like he shouldn't. He won't take the sack. He won't throw the ball away. He won't give the ball back to his defense, which is without Von Miller. You know where I'm going. I'm taking the Bengals. Yeah, but I'm not. Listen, if this were being played in Cincinnati like the game should be, I'm taking the Bengals. But in Buffalo, with that crowd, with that energy, with what Josh Allen has done in the playoffs so far in his career, and that's basically just last year. <laughs> right. um, and, he, and he had a good game against Miami, you know? He played, um, he played good. Played good. Um, I like the team for the Bills better. I, I just haven't seen enough consistency from Cincinnati this season to say, hey, I feel confident that they're going to go in and beat the Bills. Everything is working in the Bills' favor, including the way this game was scheduled. God, don't get me started on that. <laughs> um, it's very frustrating, but... I would love to see the Bengals win this because I believe the Bengals deserve to move on more than the Bills deserve to move on. But at the end of the day, it's a team game. And I think what the the Bills have going for them is going to be enough to beat Joe Burrow. And I think then we get into the question of what we just did this this past, you know, 30 minutes here of like, what do the Bengals need to do? They shirt up the offensive line. You can't construct a roster with the idea that people are going to get hurt when you have money allocated course, the way they do. Of course. So yeah. Uh, I would love to see Joe Burrow come out here and evade the pressure and, you know, be able to deliver the ball on time and for Chase to have a huge game. But this Bills 
team and this Bills defense is very strong, even with all the injuries that they've had. It's going to be a good football game, but I do take the Bills, and I'm honestly going to take them by a touchdown. Yeah, I mean, I can see it too. I just, I don't know, dude. The, both the quarterbacks are special. I mean, it's, it, it will come down to them, but there's going to be a lot of other factors in it, right? Like, how's Mixon going to play? Is James Cook going to continue to stay hot? You know, who's going to force a turnover? And that's if you're going to put a gun to my head, money on the line, which I will be betting this game, like, I'm going to take the Bengals, man. Like, it is what it is. And we'll, we'll see you next week. I just, yeah. I, I could see Allen making one more mistake than Burrow at the yeah. end of the day. I, like, I just, I, I just really, I really could, you know, the game being in Buffalo is a concern. But the game only yeah. being at noon, which is at three o'clock Eastern, it's not going to be super cold. I guess Cincinnati's cold anyways. Um, this the game. That's the game of the weekend. I think that's the matchup of the weekend. That's the legacy matchup of the weekend as well, right? Like we're we're getting into the point now, Matt, where I think it's pretty apparent. And correct me if I'm wrong. That it's Mahomes, Allen, Burrow, right? Like these. The, this is the future of the NFL. Those three guys, right? We see them this weekend at the quarterback position. Brady right, and Rogers are done. Go ahead. I want you to think about something unbiasedly here. Sure. I want you to take Burrow and Allen, and I want you to swap them for a minute. Right. And I want you to think about how you would feel if Joe Burrow were the quarterback this weekend of the Bills, and if Allen were the quarterback of the Bengals. Right. Who are you taking in this game? I'd still probably take the Bengals, you know? I, I just, with I, Allen? Yeah, I just... Okay. And, and this this is the thing with the Bengals, though. And, like, this has been my this has been my take. This has been my stance on their them as a whole all weekend is I think the Bengals have the best offense in the league. And what matters the most is scoring points. Now, this whole line situation is an absolute issue. But having a whole week to prepare with whatever makeshift line they're going to put together means a lot more than losing your left tackle in the middle of the fucking playoff game against a defensive team. Okay. Now I think there is, it's not close to me that there's no better receiving core in the league than Cincinnati's. And then you throw Mixon in there. He's a top, we'll say top 10, top five, whatever. He's a very good running back. He's not a shitty running back. And then not to mention you have Hayden Hurst, who's a formidable tight end. They have an elite offense. And if you need someone to march down the field and score a touchdown, I would take the weapons in the offense that the Bengals have. So if you were to switch the quarterbacks, I'd still take the Bengals because at the end of the day, you're picking straws with these two quarterbacks, right? Do you like Allen better because he's more athletic, has a little bit better arm, but is a little more of a wild card Brett Favre? Sure. Do you like Burrow because he's better of a pocket passer and he's probably going to make quicker, better decisions with, you know, that with his skill set and natural ability, like these guys, like I said, it, right now to me, it's Mahomes, Allen, Burrow. I, I don't think that should be much of an argument at this point, especially to where we are in the season. Especially seeing that they're by far the three best quarterbacks in the playoffs right now, too. So, I think you take those two quarterbacks and you swap them, and it's still the Bills, and it's still the Bills because sure, the Bengals offense. I don't know if I would go as far as to say as a lead. I'm still taking the Dolphins wide receiver core, and that's not even in question for me. Yeah. Um, because yeah. I just don't I don't think T. Higgins is what everyone thinks T. Higgins is. You didn't um, you must have not seen Waddle this past weekend. I mean, yeah, but are you really taking T. Higgins over Waddle? For are sure. You really, are you Absolutely. really I'm, I'm not. I'm, there's no chance. I am like uh, it's it's craziness. Like Waddle is an X factor. T. Higgins is a nice wide receiver. <laughs> I, we're we're gonna agree to disagree here. And sure, I'm just gonna that's keep fine. On here. Um, the defense. You talk about mistakes. You talk about decision making, and I get that decision making ultimately comes up to the guy throwing the ball, and it doesn't necessarily matter the def- the defensive scheme or the defenders. But the Bills' defense, in my opinion, is so much better than Cincinnati, and it might be as good, if not better, than the Ravens. And obviously, not divisional opponent, but to me, the real determining factor in this game is how. How much do the Bills defenders turn it on um, and make life difficult for Burrow? Because in my opinion, Allen is the better elusive quarterback. Burrow is the better pa- like pocket quarterback. Um, and we've seen issues with you know sacks. Do we see a Tennessee all over again where we see seven, eight, nine sacks for Burrow this weekend? And if we see that, it's a blowout. It's over. It's yeah, an for absolute sure. blowout. For sure. Um, I hope this is a good football game. At the end of this conversation, I really hope this is a – 38 35 absolute shootout and we're looking back at at the end of this game saying oh my god we just watched one of the greatest duos go at it again this two years in a row from patrick mahomes and allen to now burrow and allen 
I'm glad you brought that up. Like, and I, and I think that's why I'm so passionate about this right now. And why I was so fired up to just, even talk about this weekend is like, to me, this is a legacy defining game for these guys. Right. And it's, you know, we do this podcast and we do, we talk sports like the, this is, this is where it matters. You know what I mean? Like similar to, to, um, my guy Lawrence against Mahomes, right? Mahomes, frankly, doesn't have anything else to prove in his career. All he's doing now is just building up that resume to somehow, maybe someday compete with Tom Brady. Maybe we'll see, right? Um, but for these, for Burrow, Allen, man, like this is a massive game, and my expectations are almost as good of a game as we saw last year in Kansas City where we have now our new overtime rule because Josh Allen didn't have a chance to get the ball in overtime, right? Like that's my expectations for this game, which means they're going to get shattered and it's not going to be that good. But like that's at the, if you could have told me these are the four teams in the AFC beginning of the year, I'm hyped. Like this is exactly what we wanted to see. The NFC is different and we'll get to the last game now. Cowboys Niners, right? And there's no disrespect to the Niners, the Cowboys, Eagles, Giants. Like, that's just not at least who you and I envisioned, right? Like, I'm excited for these matchups, but nowhere near the same way as I am for the AFC. Because let's be real, Matt. Like, I think the only legacy-defining guy is in this game, and it's Dak. Like, we've, we had their rookie year of Dak and Zeke. Of Remember, remember their rookie year when the Packers went in and Jared yeah. Cook had that catch and, you know, the, this was like the Cowboys are fucking back. And I know it's the Cowboys and it's always they're back and how about them boys and all that stuff. But there was real, real hype around that combo specifically. And frankly, they haven't done shit, right? They haven't won anything. They've disappointed. Dak had a devastating injury two years ago, not his fault. But they've been a massive disappointment and letdown for the past five seasons, basically. And this is his defining moment. This is the game. Go into San Francisco and win the game. Now, do I think he can? Probably not. But if he comes out and wins that game, I think the Cowboys actually might win the Super Bowl. Ah, sorry, make the Super Bowl. Yeah, so the national media is shitting on the Cowboys right now. You know, they have two and a half less days to prepare. Right. Dak Prescott's inconsistent. The team's inconsistent. Not Skip Bayless. I'm just kidding. <laughs> of course, obviously. I have not seen the 49ers actually play a meaningful football game yet. And I know Seattle was a playoff game. So they were glad Seattle. you're bringing this up. They, they were Seattle. And you look at the division. Absolute fucking garbage. I'm sorry. <laughs> the Rams are awful. They're right. awful. They're an awful organization. Um, Cardinals, probably so a worse organization. Seahawks, a rebuilding team, love the team, love the picks, everything we talked about, and they hung into that game. This is the Dallas Cowboys who have this season fucked teams up and also been fucked up. Like, I get it. The Packers beat them. You know, they've had some tough losses, but at Dak's best, he threw for five fucking touchdowns. And this is going to be a pass rush and a front that they have are going to have trouble with. This is a seventh round quarterback. Let's not get ourselves you know confused here that the 49ers are the they're destined for a super bowl here this is going to be purdy's chance to absolutely fall on his face mccaffrey have no impact have three yards per carry debo samuel out there bitching about how he's not getting the ball there's a real good chance that the cowboys blow the 49ers out okay i wouldn't say blow them out but i'm glad you bring this up because i've been just i'm trying not to be a hater the kid's playing great purdy's playing great He's playing really, really good football. He's making good decisions. He's throwing the ball on time accurately, 100%. He looks good. He's playing better than Jimmy. No question about that. Zero question. Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn. That's all I got to say. 100%, Matt. Like I totally yeah. agree with you. This is it right here for him. This is the yep. first real defense he's playing against. Oh, but he went up against Tom Brady and the Bucks. Look at what just happened to them. They fucking yep. sucked. They sucked. They were pretenders all year. Oh, he went against the Dolphins. Look at them. Pretenders. They sucked. He hasn't gone up against a real pass rush in a real defense yet. Now, can he overcome that? Probably. Well, what, what has he shown that says he can't? Nothing yeah. thus far. But I ha I know. I don't have a feeling. I know for a fact he will face adversity for the very first time in his young NFL career this weekend. And the question is, how does he handle it? And I don't know. 
I don't know. And it's to be seen and to be determined. And I'm excited to see that. But there is zero doubt in my mind, Matt, that he faces adversity this year, whether it's Parsons blowing him up, whether it's a tip ball that's an interception this weekend, whether it's maybe he finally makes one bad read, or like you said, McCaffrey can't start running the ball. Debo's not open. What do we do next? And on the flip side, if Dak can handle that pressure from the Niners defense, if he cannot turn the ball over, if they, oh shit, Matt, they were balanced and ran the ball with Pollard and ran the ball with Zeke. If they do that and control the time of possession, I do think the Cowboys can win the game. But just like I said last week, I don't trust MF and McCarthy and I don't trust Kellen Moore. But I do have a feeling this is the week, you're right, that Purdy falls on his face. I think this is where we finally just take a step back and stop saying this kid's the next Tom Brady. Because guess what? He plays for the best coach, at least offensive mind in the game right now. Well, and Matt, that's that's why I talked about Dan Quinn, because I don't know that there's a better defensive coordinator right now in the NFL. And I might be wrong. I might be short-sighted. This might be my my Tuesday night quarter, you know, def, Tuesday night quarterback, you know, hat on. Um, but this is to me all about Dan Quinn. It's not about a singular player of Parsons or Diggs. Um, or Lawrence, I think we finally have everything you said come to fruition. Like this is going to be a challenge. And looking at the schedule, if this were a day game, I'm giving the Niners the game. Oh, uh, you know, like almost no question. I think there's something about that where there's less pressure. Um, you know, obviously they're at home, they had more time to prepare. Like there's just something about this being the last game of the weekend where I think it's in Dallas's favor because Dallas is battle-tested. They have fought adversity. Dak Prescott has gone through it. Zeke Elliott has gone through it. Mike McCarthy has gone through it. Dan Campbell has gone through it. Like This is the team where if you're going to beat this you know, juggernaut of a system, it could be the Dallas Cowboys. And listen, if Purdy can go out there and win, I, I'll, I'll give him his flowers. Like kudos to, kudos to Shanahan, kudos to the team. But I'm, I'm very confident that Dallas is going to come out and surprise a lot of people. Yeah, and um, if you had to pick a D coordinator or think of a D coordinator that would know potentially Shanahan's game plan and mentality, <laughs> wow, maybe, maybe the head it might coach that be, used to have him. Yeah, the coach <laughs> that hired him to be his OC. Like maybe this is maybe. the matchup, Matt. Like yeah, maybe. Like straight up, this is this is it for Purdy here. I we'll know who Brock Purdy is Monday, Sunday night. Well, we'll listen, know who he is, um, like 100%. We've seen Shanahan fold to people that know his system. We've seen it over and over and over again. Like, as great as he is, he's not the master yet. Because there are enough people in this league that knew how he built his system through his father. And Dan Quinn, and what you just said was absolutely perfect. I, I could see an absolute shambles of a 49ers offense i could also see him executing perfectly and this being shanahan's rise to being the best coach in the nfl it could right. go both ways but you know we talk about the chargers chargering i'll talk about shanahan shanahanning like, <laughs> and i think we're gonna have that narrative yet again yeah. after this i mean weekend. that's th that's his identity thus far and i will give purdy some credit here if jimmy garoppolo were starting this game i'm guaranteeing a cowboys victory i'm guaranteeing it but because of Purdy and the unknown that we haven't seen, we I can't I can't go on record and say that. Um, and that's a lot of credit to him. And this weekend will showcase more of who he is. But at least they have a shot. Um, and I know they're they probably favorited in this game. As it yeah, I today. saw it was four and a half. I think the line might have went to three and a half. Yeah. Um, in full transparency, like I'm gonna take that. I'm gonna bet on the Niners, right? Like I'm gonna put money on the Niners this weekend to cover. But like, I I am beyond intrigued to see what Purdy looks like. I I'm I'm frankly I'm getting sick of of the the hype you know i am like, too well that, I am that that game they played before lawrence and right after lawrence threw his fourth pick i fucking tweeted out i was like don't even start asking if purdy's better than lawrence like <laughs> this is just i'm serious because and then boom, 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 on the timeline and then an hour later i retweeted it and said are we still talking shit on trevor lawrence because like this is this brock purdy kid is playing great i like his swag like whatever but 
relax. Like if you had these weapons and this coach, like it's it, it honestly shows how bad Jimmy was, or at least how it checked really out he or how checked out he was this year. You know, because yeah. these dudes are running wide open. Oh, he had four touchdowns and almost 400 yards. He threw a 10 yard pass to Debo and he took it 65 yards for a touchdown. Like, calm down. Well, and you talk about legacy. Like, I can't imagine that Dak Prescott is going to go into this game and fold. And he might. Dak's folded a lot. Um, I agree but with you, though. I'm, I'm rooting for him here. Like, I, I don't think he gets the credit where it's deserved. I mean, we talked about best quarterback from last week and I didn't give it to him. You did. Um, I want to see Dak Prescott go out and like and shine and like because if they win, I expect them to lose to the Eagles, which sucks. But I, I will take the Eagles over the Cowboys. Um, go out there and do what you're supposed to do. Beat a young quarterback. Beat a really, really good defense because you have a strong offense if you run the ball. And if you execute like he executed against the Bucks, this is this is an easy victory. Now, pass rush with the Bo- with Bosa is going to be very difficult. Yeah, that whole defense is going to be an absolute problem. Yeah. We didn't even talk well, about secondary it. Secondary is weak. Secondary is weak. I'll, it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's, it's okay. Good. Yeah. It, it's just, yeah. it's a lot easier to be a secondary player on that team when you have the best fucking front seven. Yeah. No question. In, in, I, in, I agree with that. In yeah. The best front seven since the Niner teams that used to beat Aaron Rodgers in the playoffs all the time. I'm telling you, I'll say it again, though. Dalton Schultz, another week of X Factor. You know what I mean? Like, <sighs> bro, he had, oh a, he had a couple nice touchdowns, like, had Dude, a good some game. Sick catches, sweet passes from Dak. He was the best. He was the MVP outside of Prescott, X Factor, 100%. That, that team needs to run their passing game through Dalton Schultz. You know, like, it should be CeeDee Lamb, but like, the middle Give, of the field. And give Fuck Pollard, dude, like, give Pollard the fucking ball. Like, absolutely, give, absolutely. Give Pollard the ball. That's what they did. But we, but we know how San Francisco holds running games. You know what I mean? Like, give right. Pollard the ball, but like, give him the ball through the air where he can really play and be a playmaker. Um, and that's the thing, right? Like, does Dallas even get this running game going? Is that's, Dak th- is? Is Dak throwing the ball fifty times this game? Like, there's a yeah. lot of question marks. Yeah, I mean, if if he goes, he, what I, I put his stats out, he threw thirty three. If he goes over thirty five, they lose the game. Thirty three is perfect. If he throws more than thirty five mm. times, they're probably dead. Yeah, you know, and he's probably got three. Two, eh, he probably has at least one pick. At least, at least, at least, at yeah, least. one or two. Yeah. At least one. All right, let's put a bow on it. Beautiful. Um, have a great weekend, guys. Enjoy these games. Remember, football season's almost over. We have a lot to just kind of. We, we got some off season stuff. We're just thinking about doing what we want to go. We got the draft series, obviously. That'll year three, year three. But enjoy this, man. Seriously, enjoy this. Like, this is a great episode. I'm fired up. Like, there's legacies on the line. Don't ever forget that. And this is what you've been waiting all season for. Even like us, if our favorite team is out, find something to get excited for. Trevor Lawrence, that's you. Freaking Burrow, Allen, Dak Prescott, that's you this weekend. Enjoy yourselves. Cheers. Talk to you guys next week.